favorite part of that song is that bass of that it's a bit slidey when that movie when, not, not when that movie when Michael Jackson died <laughs> when that movie came out no when Michael Jackson died I remember hearing that I was in that uh, in what the Americans call a shopping mall and that song came out over the speakers and it was like it was just quite a moment I was like wow but there's a reason I'm going to talk about that song but I'll get into it in a moment Welcome to Art Cinema, Fart Cinema. I'm Nadim. I'm Simon. And this is Sexy Shipwrecks. Sexy Shipwrecks. Part 2. In Sexy Shipwrecks Part 2, we're, we're talking to... about Titanic. It's sexy, it's very sexy, but it also actually has a shipwreck in it. A real is, shipwreck. Yeah. A real one, instead yeah. of a, just, a, just a metaphysical Opening one. with authentic footage of the actual Titanic. Is it cris- all crispy kind of? It's crispy. It's crispy. <laughs> the image is crispy. crispy. Uh, image. Grainy image of like old people like... Crispy old people. The ship that will not sink. <laughs> so this week we're going to be talking about Titanic. And I should note that this is the last episode of Art Cinema Fart Cinema's Season 2. Don't it's, worry, we'll be back. It's been emotional. But it's the, this is the end of the second <laughs> season. It's been a fucking... It's been a great run, man. It's been good fun, hasn't it? Yeah. I've had a great time. Like this is I'm not I'm being sincere here. I'm gonna, I've had a great time, man. I'm gonna blow myself later. I've I've done the thing where I've taken out a couple of ribs, so I can actually do that now. Oh the yeah 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 yeah. Just the, take yo- out, the yoga thing. The yoga take thing. out a couple of ribs. Yeah yeah you, you, you get all the way down there. You leave it's the brilliant. you leave the house and you I'm off to I'm off to yoga and I'm like no you're not. I know exactly what you're about to do. So Titanic. Do we is, have to say what this film's about because it's that's the thing. Yeah. It's it's a ubiquitous movie. Uh, 1997 classic world's biggest film for about 10 years it was huge I even don't think now, it really needs much of an introduction even now it's number 3 isn't it it's number 3 now because of freaking Avengers and Avatar some sort of 200 billion type yeah. box office takings and all that a yeah. large large movie the plot of Titanic is as follows a rich woman who is unsatisfied with her life of stultifying richness boards the Titanic. A poor guy who is going back to America also boards the Titanic. They meet and they fall in love and they are basically an- the answer to each other's problems. And then they think f- the-, the ship sinks. And then you know the rest. It- <laughs> that's, that's the story. <laughs> that's all there is to it, isn't there? And actually, fun fun fact, actually, real quick about the ship sinking. So the People who watch out for icebergs on the ship are distracted by Jack and Rose lovemaking, having a bit of kissing and hugging, right? And then when they turn to look out in the ship, in the sea, they see the iceberg. So basically James Cameron puts the blame for Titanic sinking on Jack and Rose, our two fictional heroes and heroines. Yeah. It's their fault. It's their fucking fault. It's your fault. It's not the fault of the captain who says... 
you know, he's got, speed the, ahead. he's got the ice warning in his hand and he says, oh, don't worry about that, you know, we'll full just go steam fast. ahead. Yeah. Full steam ahead. Idiot. For the sake of argument, I think I will say that it takes a historical event and imposes a fairy tale onto it. Mm, of course, uh, of course. And it's a three-hour film, so people board the Titanic. They're of different classes, and it's trying to kind of sum up the. It's a, yeah, it's kind of got a documentary out it in some ways, and I don't mean that in like a oh. <laughs> I don't mean like in like a literate way, like as in like this is Italian neorealism documentary. No, it's, no, it's more just. Every nearly every scene has a historical reference in it. Like so, there's a bit where Kate Winslet's walking down the the deck, and she's like, "I did the calculations, and there's only half the lifeboats." You know, it's like that's exactly what happened on the Titanic. Mm. And even th- and you would expect someone to just come out with that observation <laughs> yeah. on the ship, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, I'm sure Kate Winslet sat down and calculated it. Yeah, with the with the architect right there who actually designed <laughs> yeah. the ship. So yeah. yeah, it's it's cleverly made because. Um, it's contrived. It's, to- it's <laughs> very clever. I love contrivances. It's contrived, right? Contrivances so, in films. This yeah. movie is. It was pitched by Mr. Jim Cameron, Mr. James Cameron, God Emperor of Cinema, King of the World, King of the World, Jim Cameron. Uh, it was pitched to executives as Romeo and Juliet on the Titanic, and I mean, it's Jack literally the same thing. <laughs> Jack it's, is like. I mean, Jack is basically every hero name. Jack. Jack. I know, they may as well just call him John Smith. And Rose is like a flower. It's like Lily. Because she's you know, pretty. Rose, Lily. Because like, she's pretty. Yeah. She's called Rose and she has red hair, so she's pretty. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and it's got um, a, a fable, Make Every Moment Count, just like Labyrinth's, uh, what is it, uh, Don't Take Anything For Granted, you know. It's got a moralistic uh, message. So this movie, I think, what I think find really interesting about Titanic is just how huge it got and the reasons behind it getting so huge. And I think it's almost genius in the way that it dealt with that, right? So mm-hmm. all the characters are just broad, broad, broad archetypal characters. You've got your evil rich man and you've got like the forbidding rich parents and you've got the rich girl who doesn't want to be trapped. by <laughs> trapped in her, yeah. yeah, And then you've got the lowly poor boy who's actually... You know, got Artistic a spark of brilliance, yeah, and creative. When he sees, he sees her sadness. <laughs> you know, like she she takes a walk out to the sort of you know balcony bit of the ship or whatever at the railing bit. You know, and he sees her from down below, and it's like the artist's eye has like he's seen into he's her seen soul. Her. He's seen Rose and thought, Ugh. "That's this is the girl." <laughs> this is the girl, um, and it turns out as well in another contrivance that Rose is an art lover. She's got like Picasso's. She's got drawings by something Picasso, <laughs> something Picasso. I don't yeah, remember. I don't she's know got, his name. I'll put it. She's, he's got an. She's got an Edgar Degas painting as well. You know, I'll t- I'll put the Degas in the bedroom. Yeah. yeah. You know, wh- why would someone have like this? Why you know? I'm pre- pretty sure in 1912, if you had a Degas, you wouldn't like Picasso. <laughs> but this is like some no, weird. But she's a genius art lover. She, yeah, it's like who she's... has who has a nineteen ninety seven consciousness. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually, what's more is all the all the paintings are like pretty fucking famous paintings. Like like there's a bit where they're talking about water lilies by Monet, and it's like yeah. That... Why would you have all of that on the Titanic? <laughs> yeah, that movie sunk in the that that uh, that painting sunk sunk in the Titanic. Yeah, yeah. how many classic water paintings... lilies by Claude Monet sunk on the Titanic? 
Yeah, just rewrite history there. Eh? Or <laughs> it was no, no. It was Water Lilies hashtag three because he did like several, ah, okay. so several you, editions. Eh? I'm just, I'm know? just posturing. It's, I'm, I'm acting like cool. I knew, I'm acting like I knew what the painting was. I it, recognised it. It's, you know, it's bullshit. <laughs> There's no way that all these paintings were on the Titanic. I, I, yeah, I think it's just a bit, a bit of dressing. You know, a bit of dressing. But um, aye, the film's success is strange because it's got the kind of Hollywood posturing thing, right? Where it's like they take a really important historical event and they do it justice. You know, it's like Michael Jackson's Earth song. It's, mm. it's like the I'm going to make a song for the environment. It's like, but you didn't help. Like you just made a song for the environment. Same thing. This is like I'm going to make a, so- a movie about the Titanic, and it's like, okay, fun movie, I guess. But what did you do? Like, what did it? What did it do for anyone? Yeah. No, I mean, there's a list of things that I think qualifies this as crap. And uh, it was apparently there was a lot of nervousness about the amount of money spent on it because I think that journalists' uh, reactions to it, they were saying this is not going to do very well. So the film cost, in today's money, $300 million. So that's in league with the most costly films ever. It was Mm -hmm. f***ing expensive as hell. And they uh, employed over a thousand like extras as well, which is like totally mental for a movie as well. Nowadays, extras aren't even on films anymore because they can just computer animate crowds, but... Like yeah. a thousand people. Think about how many people that is. That's crazy. The scale and the ambition of this film, I'm like in awe of. And I love the effects. I love the practical effects. <laughs> yeah. I love the practical effects. I actually enjoyed this film way more than I thought I would. The dissolving back and forth between Bill Paxton, the, the older brother from Weird Science, he finds the Titanic. <laughs> he got his elephant balls after all. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no, Bill Paxton. The lead. Do you like this film? No, no, it's, I'm saying it's crap. Because honestly, I was watching this and I was like, I don't think I can condemn this film too much. I really? was surprised by how much I enjoyed when it. When this film came out, I... I mean, it's awful, but it's also like not awful at all. I think if, if you're going to make a big pop culture event movie, I'd rather it be something like this than the 22nd film in a fucking chain of corporate, you know, movies that are all the exact same. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I think I'd prefer that. Not that I don't like it. I quite like Endgame, but you know, I think I'd prefer if. Right. Well, I don't watch the Marvel <laughs> movies, right? So I don't even get into that. I'm at a mas- all. I'm a masochist, so I do. Right. And when Titanic came out, I actually watched it in three sittings because I could only take an hour at a time. And I look back on that and think, why did it even do it at all? Mm. Because I wasn't doing a, a podcast about films back then. <laughs> Why did I feel the duty to watch this film till the end? I think, eventually, I think when a movie like this is is on the kind of and pop culture event uh, yeah, status, everyone's that, talking about it. I want to bring up yeah. what's they called A Star Is Born Again because mm-hmm. the exact same thing happened with that. Obviously, it didn't become as big as Titanic, but the the feeling around A Star Is Born earlier this year or earlier last year was bizarre like, drag your feet into this I better watch it yeah, then yeah, yeah like, like I remember people about. on like I remember seeing someone on Facebook being like this film's amazing and when, <laughs> I, when I spoke to them in person they were like yeah it was alright I'm like why are you fucking what, what's happening here it's like yeah. mass hysteria around a movie and I think this definitely happened with Titanic that's an element of social media, isn't it? That uh, things get like ramped up to justify making a post about it, and mm. then you f- talk about it in real life, and it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> if you said, I actually thought it was crap, you'd be like, you know what, you've got a point there, and then yeah, you yeah. move on. It's yeah. the herd mentality, man. I don't know. That's that's bizarre, but um, yeah. So this movie is basically profiteering treasure hunters listen to a, an old granny's three-hour-long erotic story, right? Yeah. They're li- <laughs> like, I didn't realize there was a framing narrative. You know, after the life drawings, you know, because so Jack's got life drawings, that's how 
Rose finds out about, you know, his, his little portfolio of, of mm. life drawings. When they get kind of going in the romance, she says, I want you to draw me wearing this jewel and nothing else. She's got like a... Oh my God, Simon, if you're going to quote it, quote it right, okay? Yeah, okay. okay. It's, I want you to draw me like one of your French girls <laughs> wearing this. And then she holds up the diamond. And then, and then there's a little moment and then she goes, only this. And then Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio can't believe his luck. He's like, Yes! I'll draw you no bother. And that was the first uh, shot that they filmed was uh, was the, the scene with the life drawing was the, sh- the first. Really? Uh, I guess that's a good way to break the ice. Yeah. No pun intended. And also it kind of like, you know, you get like the nervousness between them a little bit. It's probably authentic then, you know, like, mm, just a little I'm, bit of coyness. Well, apparently. Trying not to look nervous, when, but actually being a little bit when nervous. When Leo yeah. DiCaprio and Kate Winslet met for the first time. So the story goes that because they knew there was going to be a lot of nudity together, Kate Winslet flashed at him <laughs> to kind of like be like, you know, it's going to happen anyway, you know. <laughs> I don't know whether or not that's just a myth, but... That, I think that's something she would do. Yeah. Or it's the kind of thing that she would say she did. You know oh, I mean? right, yeah. Okay. There's no evidence that that happened, but I, th- mm-hmm. I think it's a fun story and it's a cute story. Yeah, what was I saying about that? Drawing? Uh, what so, yeah, were you yeah, the drawing scene, when they get to the end of it, it cuts back to the old woman telling a story and everyone's like leaning around with like, <laughs> and then what happened? Did you bang? You know, yeah, yeah. It's, it goes, it, do, you know, the old woman even says, and I'm not going to quote it incorrectly. I know it. No, I wrote it down. <laughs> Hold on, yeah. Uh, she goes, it was the most erratic moment of my life. And then they're all kind of waiting. And they said, so what else happened? It was like that. And then she goes, did we do it? <laughs> The, the whole did we do it thing while these sweaty treasure hunters are all just sitting around or like wait, rubbing their hands like yeah <laughs> so like point one why I don't like this film I don't think why I don't think it's good mm. uh, the script is is full of shit and mm. it's one of the Oscars that it wasn't nominated for a screenplay and I'm like well thank god you know it's it's one eleven nominated for 14 there wasn't even a nomination for screenplay and I think well you know okay good because that is one thing that's really bad it didn't get Razzie nominated for screenplay and I think that's a shame because do you think it's that bad? I think it's that terrible yeah yeah you know no like um, what is it the scene so when Kate Winslet Rose gets to see these drawings um, Leonardo DiCaprio goes into a story about you know the drawing and she's like I think you really you know loved this one you must have had a, an affair with her or something yeah, yeah. like that he goes no no just her hands she was a one-legged prostitute see <laughs> and then she goes oh right that uh and then you know, like, he turns he turns pages and he goes in a kind of like matter of fact way she had a good sense of humor though <laughs> you can't even get through that without going she had a good sense of humor though wait what the fuck is that about <laughs> I don't know. That's a good point, actually. I never thought about that. See, when you're watching a film, you don't. You, you sometimes don't even think about that kind of thing. Another one, right? Yeah, give me another one. I ain't convinced. Earlier in that same scene, uh-huh. Jack's telling her about his life because he's that, he's just saved her from attempting suicide, and that's how they met. And now she's trying to get to know him a little bit. I guess just you know, it just cuts to them like wandering around the ship together, mm. telling about life, and he actually says. You can just call me a tumbleweed blowing in the wind. <laughs> no one talks like that. <laughs> Come on, James. You could just call me a tumbleweed blowing in... It's not like the most... Cont- <laughs> <laughs> what a compelling sentence. Not at all trite. <laughs> anyway. Okay, yeah, so a lot of the songs rather trite. But that's... I just... the. It's so clear to me how much love went into making this movie. You know what I mean? It feels like a labour of love. And I think that's why I can't bash it too much in a way mm. it wasn't like I was ever at any moment thinking this is shit I'm turning it off it was just a bit too long like li- literally and then so the film's structured in a kind of cool way it's it's 
the first half an hour is the framing narrative setting up the, like literally just bombarding you with historical information really mm-hmm. like they even explain how the ship sinks and stuff and I'm like why do I need this this is a movie that's three hours long why do you add all this detail and these long big pan shots of like the ship and stuff like that I love it I like the way that, like they, so they they introduce the ship as yeah. a character sort of by having it go from top to bottom so you make it you take a journey all the way down to the guys mm. shoveling in the coals at the bottom yeah, yeah and then the same thing happens in a lengthy second act after all the characters have been introduced and all that there's a sort of comparing of the first class seats with the third class and yeah. you find out that kate Winslet, a.k.a. Rose, she actually really likes a, a nice pint of big juicy and uh, rough and tumble <laughs> dance on the dance floor hey, with the fucking guys. Yeah, the moral of the yes. story is that everyone likes a bit of rough, you know what I mean? Actually, the moral of the story is is that rich people suck, which is really like a lame message to come from rich people. Mm. Like pandering to the working class with, isn't it? Isn't it great how you know rich people suck and you know the, the you know the most humane people in the world are those that are struggle poor. struggle for money. Yeah, it's it's yeah. an it's slightly exploitative, I think. Yeah, because it's, 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 it's an exploitative movie. I mean, sure. I, I wonder what what do rich upper class people feel like when they watch these movies? And yeah, it's uh, like, are we the bad guys? That's the, that's the whole. Well, thing. another film about us being the bad guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and also like uh, I actually it made me think of the, one of Billy Connolly's bits in his stand up routine. I can't remember when it was, which year it was, but he went into a thing about how actually the upper class and the lower class get along really well. It's the climbers in the middle that fuck everything up. The V-neck pullover and the beige Volvo guys, you know? <laughs> and then I thought, well, so how do the beige Volvo guys feel about this Billy Conley? Do they then switch over and go, well, fuck you if you're going to slag me off, because that's me, you know? <laughs> I don't know, man. I think getting, getting class, getting getting in there on class with like the finger pointing is a bit weird because it's like do you really want to go there and like isolate a section of people that then feel yeah i think it it compartmentalizes it a little bit because it's it's class of the 1910s it's 1910s (laughs) american class right it's not it's not uh yeah everyone people in the 1990s you know it's not that everyone nowadays there's there's a critical distance there that's like oh weren't rich people in the past really bad you know it's that it seems like everyone's got to agree that that's true but you know but then kathy bates's character in this the rich she's a rich woman she's new New money. Yeah, she's new money. She's, she's nice. new money, so she has the history of actually like living a bit below the decks. Yeah. Right. So I think that's the the yeah. the, the the point that they're making is that people born into wealth are scum, whereas the people who are kind of working their way into it are like. Yeah, but cool. again, yeah, it's just I don't know. Because like, Kate Winslet's character is rich, but she fucking hates it. And it's because she's born into it, right? She doesn't earn it, right? Because she's an See? art lover. This movie's about the American dream. She's an art lover who manages to break away. She 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 even appreciates something. Because Picasso. <laughs> Who doesn't appreciate something Picasso when they've got soul? Also, yeah, I don't yeah. think they skirt around the fact that Jack would like being being a member of the third class. He would stink of piss and shit and sweat at all mm. times, and he'd be freezing the whole fucking movie. He'd have just been shivering. There's moments where like Kate Winslet's wrapped in like a blanket and being like taken around because she's cold, and Jack's just like, he's like, I'm cool, I'm fine, I can deal with the cold. Maybe that's just the character thing. Maybe James Cameron thought of that. Mm. Anyway, what I was saying though was um. The film structure kind of interestingly. First half hour is the framing narrative. Second hour is setup of the love story. The last hour and a half... I mean, is, that, is that right? It's about three mm-hmm. hours long. The last hour and a half is just destruction. And I think it's like, if you're going to make a movie about the Titanic, you need half the movie to be destruction. You need half the movie to be sensationalist. Isn't this bad that it happened? But 
I think my enjoyment of the, the last half hour and a half is because it's all real, right? It's mm. like he, he built sets. James Cameron like got people to build sets and then they destroyed them. You know what I mean? It's like, that's fucking great. What is the tone of this film though? Because is it really a tragedy? Is it... Because it's just a, it's a popcorn flick. Because the, 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 there's scenes of humour where the, the musicians are told to play something jovial while everyone's getting onto the lifeboats. <laughs> yeah. And then they run out of steam and like the, the guy says, you know, someone says they're not even listening to us anyway. And it's like, but they never listen to us during dinner. Come on, let's just keep warm and keep playing. You know, it's just the stuff like that. I think that's based on real life. I think there, there were people went down with the Titanic playing instruments. Might be talking shit though. <laughs> Yeah. I think it so rings it's, a, it's ringing bells that that actually happened actually stark realism like in Saving Private Ryan the whole picking up of the arm thing. no but well, but one thing that will I will say right so Jack's character gets handcuffed at the at quite a low down floor low of the down ship. legs yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, by the evil Billy Zane and his helper friend played his by evil Dave, rich henchman David Warner who's a screen villain like uh, like no other one I of think. the Warner brothers fuck <laughs> off oh. <laughs> <laughs> David yeah, Warner the creator of Bugs Bunny David Warner is the bad guy in Time Bandits that's what I mean when I say that he's like one of the screen villains to end all others because he's great he's, he's so funny his face is so hilariously evil it's, you know that something darkly comic is going to come out of his mouth if he's given the line to say. Yeah, I get You're told that about me. It. Apparently I've got an evil face. <laughs> I've got a goblin smile. Goblin smile. <laughs> we have got a shit podcast. Watch fucking shit films, but sometimes the films are gay, and sometimes the films are celebrated by fools, and sometimes we're the fools that celebrate shit films. There's always pointless musical interludes that are just to drive you fucking crazy and bore you to tears. Leah DiCaprio, aka Jack, handcuffed to like pipes and railings and shit. And he can't, he's gonna drown. That this is like the, 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 the ship is filling up with water at this point. Kate Winslet comes along, finds him, and he sends her away, you know, you're going to have to go find some help. And then we've got a lengthy, pointless, drawn-out scene where she tries to find help, but instead finds an axe. But when she disappears, it cuts back to, to Jack in the room alone, water maybe up to his ankles or something like that, or halfway up his leg, and he, he just does that thing of like, I'll just wait here. I'll just wait here. And I kind of think, is that going for a ba-dum-dum-tsh dum tsh moment of like, you know, <laughs> there's not much else you can do, Jack. <laughs> uh, uh. I'll just wait here. You know, yeah. And it's just, so it's it's kind of got kind of a, the, the humorous Robin Hood Prince of Thieves action tone. <laughs> even though it's about real people dying. Yeah, And you're yeah. going to see like scenes later on where like the, the lifeboats comes back to the, 
to the floating corpses and there's even a woman holding a baby that gets like the torch light on her and stuff. And Sen- sensationalist, like, like, oh, this is real life, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think the movie kind of wants to have it both ways a little bit. I just, I don't know why. It's, it's honestly like part of my brain just switched off while I was watching this and I was just kind of happy to just let it wash over me. Mm. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. Because like, there's not many films like this. There aren't movies that are better on uh, a kind of, or there's not many successful movies like this. There's plenty of big budget shit, but there's no big budget movies that actually do quite a good job at kind of conveying, like for example, The Sinking of the Titanic. I, I think Dunkirk, do you remember that mm-hmm. movie? You didn't like it, but... Did you even see it? Yeah, yeah, I watched it. Yeah, you didn't like it very much, but I really enjoyed Dunkirk specifically for the same sort of reasons I enjoyed Titanic. Like the kind of just the big budget spectacle of it. And it feels like an authentic big budget spectacle. You know, I mean, I think that Schindler's List is is a great movie about... Mm. Oh, no doubt. And it got, you know, Stanley Kubrick complained to... And Terry Gilliam's actually, I think that they had a, a conversation where Stanley Kubrick said to Terry Gilliam... The problem with Schindler's List is it's essentially a success story about the Holocaust. <laughs> and that's the wrong way to look at the, the Holocaust. It doesn't matter how good you know, your lighting and camera and script writing is. If you're making a success story out of the Holocaust, you're immediately looking at one of the horrors of, of human existence in the wrong way. I think that's something that audiences want to engage with, though. It's, and I think the Titanic is a particularly iconic and striking and horrifying moment in relatively recent history that people kind of want to know about, you know what I mean? And you know, have you ever seen the film Captain Phillips with Tom Hanks? No. Right, because that film, I think it's quite dull all the way through the film, and I sat there thinking, oh, what, why did this get, like, rave, like any anyone talking about it or raving about it? And I, I kind of got a wee bit fed up, but I left it on, and at the end of the film, uh, I mean, I'm spoiling Captain Phillips in a thing about Titanic, I'm not sure about this, but <laughs> at the end of the film, Tom Hanks acts his ass off. Like, mm. I mean, that's totally there's a really There's like a really resonant emotional punch to Is there? to the end of that film, that's and you're cool. just like, Jesus Christ. And it's, Couldn't you have brought that to the first half? <laughs> yeah, and uh, so you get you get a sense of, there's a good there's a good way of, of hitting on real events that are horrible and put people through a brutal like moment, and they come away from it shaking, Captain Phillips, that scene, uh, yeah, it's not just Tom Hanks' performance, it's also the balancing of uh, who else is in the room and how it was written and stuff like okay. that as well. So you I get to want to watch this, and I yeah, never had that much interest in watching that movie. I should watch it and wait for that for that end to okay. see what to see what you think of that. Maybe I will. I think I think that's like a it's a great point of like why Tom Hanks is actually a great actor. You know, other things can be said about his he career hangs. in this. Highs and lows. Well, this movie has yeah. the same energy as another Tom Hanks film, I think. It's kind of got the same feel as Forrest Gump, I think. Yeah. I think it's got the similar thing going for it, and that's another so, big, broad, crowd-pleaser movie that isn't really about anything in the end. Maybe it's just there's, there's, there's Oscar-winning tone then. Yeah, there's exactly. Os- it's Oscar-winning tone. It's just, no, it's popular movie tone. And unfortunately, popular movies are now just, like, they've got a, a very, very rigorous and well-worn formula now. They now know exactly what gets bums and seats, which is... You know, a little bit disappointing. Whereas at least before there was a little bit of risk, you know? Like, I mean, this movie was a risk. This was a $300 million movie. It's like, that's a risk. That's a f***ing crazy thing to do. Spend $300 million on a completely original yeah, James, movie. Yeah, James Cameron was well, sure at one sort point... Sort of original. 
he was sure at one point that he was going to lose a hundred million for the studio, and then never make a movie ever again. He was yeah. he was sure that that was going to be his. I'm going to ruin my career here. But I mean, it was the exact opposite that happened. That's kind of that's kind of neat, you know. I can I can appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. He also he produced it, he directed it, he wrote it, and he edited it, which is I I, I just can't I can't knock him too much, man. With I don't his know. left hand, he put a sharpened Conti stick in his in his in his left hand mm. and uh, drew Kate Winslet. He's did the drawing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you reckon this whole movie was just a big contrivance to get him to draw a naked Kate Winslet? He was like, it's great because I'll get into my life drawing again. That's like, an That's old, what I've, not, like. I've not done that in so long. <laughs> I want to engage with my roots. The first the first James Cameron film was, was this, and he pulls out like a, a drawing of like lots of naked women from like his school <laughs> days. And I was like, this is the first James Cameron movie because I started to frame things. Eh. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I was watching the TV, uh, not something I do regularly, but there I was watching the, uh, the television, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, I learned that the uh, famed music producer, Mark Ronson, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, was coming out as a sapiosexual. Okay. That is, someone who is aroused by the intellect, rather mm. than by any physical features of a human person. Mm. Uh, and I was thinking that I consider myself to be a sapiosexual too. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, it really got under my skin, this idea that you get aroused by the content of someone's conversation rather than the way that they appear externally to the world around them. Mm. I mean, have you never found yourself listening to someone speak and... You can just feel it in your pants, getting harder, getting wetter, getting more excited. So, like, the I can't believe that Celine Dion as well. Like, why did that get, like, an Oscar for Best Song, but the Razzies didn't want to rip into it? Like, the Razzies left this film alone, and I just think, why? You know? (laughs) I don't think it's that bad. You can fucking... Come on, you can pick on this film. Jesus I really, Christ. Like, I was honestly struggling to find... Like, I have like small issues with it, but I, I was never at any point like, oh, this is terrible. Like, at any point. Mm. I, really, I don't, I don't maybe know I don't know. Maybe I don't know what the point in the Razzies is in a lot of ways, but it seems to me like uh, you can... You know, you can make an excuse for nominating a few things about this film in the Razzies. Like, oh, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm saying for sure. I don't know. Like, what? Like... Maybe the writing, as you're saying, but I didn't the even know The screenplay and the song, the, the soundtrack, yeah. you know. Um, Do you not like this song? Near, far, right. where I actually would like to, you know, in my head I would like to uh, visualise a sort of Monty Python type sketch for the, the contemporary age where uh, you actually get an announcement Someone that's got the same tone as Graham Chapman, who's sadly no longer with us to deliver this line, but it would be perfect. Graham Chapman somehow delivering the line. I mean, it can't happen because he was dead before Titanic came out. But if he could just deliver the line. As punishment for inflicting her dreadful music on the world, Celine Dion will now sign for the hearing impaired the entire film Titanic. Thank you. And then it just rolls into Titanic. Celine Dion comes up at the bottom of the screen doing <laughs> waving and just like with a big smile on her face and then starts sign languaging with the <laughs> facial expressions. She's got to do that for three hours yeah. as punishment for that 
King's song and actually everything else that she's sung. I'd never put the song on, but I mean, I don't know. Let the kids eat cake is what I say. Let the kids eat cake. I don't know why I'm not so... <laughs> Let them eat What's cake. wrong with me? Let them eat cake, you know? Let them eat cake. What's wrong with me? I don't know. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't muster up the energy to hate this movie. Even though I was fully expecting to not like it. I think maybe it's under my skin. I think maybe it's been pattered into my brain. Oh, right. I, th- I think, I mean, this was... Was it lightning in a bottle? <laughs> <laughs> this movie was really big when I was a kid, right? Oh, it was really big anyway, but it was really big when I was a child. And it was like kind of like an adult movie. It was a sexual awakening movie. You know, you'd, you'd look at Kate Winslet and you'd be like, I like that, but I don't know why, you know? You know what? I oh, Wait, really? You would, you would question your liking of Kate Winslet? Wait, I was probably about five. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> you know I mean? So you're actually that... Con- yeah, okay, you're, you're Do you that know what I mean? It was, like, it was like, I was a young boy, and I, I was like, I don't know why I like this film, but I, there's something about it, you know? You know, Kate Winslet in real life, she's uh, she's married to a guy now called Rock and Roll. <laughs> That's right, I looked that up. Yeah, <laughs> That's cool, uh, okay. That's your second name. Why are you laughing at that? That's your second name. Salmon Rock and Roll. Salmon Rock and Roll. Salmon punk rock Simon punk rock the ship of dreams is here to stay the ship of dreams unsinkable they say but what if the unthinkable was to happen What if the unsinkable Was to sink like a ton of shit Who's gonna find it? Who's gonna find it? Rescued from the depths by elephant ball Uh, no, I think there's something about Kate Winslet that I really like. I love her in a lot of films. And like Kate Winslet's a great actress. She's actually into the yeah, other. Uh, there's something like there's she's something got she's got her. the magic, man. So does Leonardo DiCaprio, man. See, back then, I fucking hated the guy. Like I, this film and then the beach, and I was like, oh man, this guy. All he's going to be able to do is play cocky bags that you can't stand. And then I found out that. Lots of guys liked this film and engaged with his character. And there's the whole thing about how men cry at Titanic. Okay, now that's f- that's 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 fucking out of line. This movie is not like it's broad and fucking <laughs> like it's it's just oh it's not meant to be like a deep movie or it affects deepness, but it's not right. That this is what I want to this is what I want right. See what I would give Titanic at a ten. I'd give it like a six or a seven. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't give it a high rating. Right, I'd give it. <laughs> yeah, I'd give it point five less than the haughty and the naughty. But <laughs> like, I wouldn't give it a high rating. Okay, it's not, it's not the kind of thing that I would cry at, right? But because it's so like, <laughs> I'm thinking so, about. <laughs> I, I can't even explain what why I don't. I'm not bothered by it. I'm just, thinking about the Bill Burr sketch where he talks about how you you know on the Titanic, I'd be the guy that falls and his head ding against the propeller. <laughs> Yeah, someone sat and animated that. It's like, shouldn't you maybe be a little more sensitive? <laughs> People died. I don't know, man. I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I think the fact that it's just so humble in its ambitions. And, <laughs> what? <laughs> I 
messed that one up. <laughs> I think it's the fact that it's so like complacent that I like it. No, what? I don't even know why I like this movie. I don't even like it. I wouldn't probably, I'm probably never going to watch it ever again. Unless like, I have like a wife who's like, we need to watch Titanic. And I'm like, right, fuck's sake. I'll, I'll watch it for the laugh. I like the way that Bill, uh, Billy Zane and David Warner are cartoon upper class villains. Constantly, uh, for some reason, I remembered there being more mention of the third class ticket. You know, well, I, I'd like to remind you that you have a third class ticket and you are no longer welcome. You're scum. Get yeah. out. He's joining us from third class. You've got a third class seat. I actually thought it got like outrageous how many times the third class thing, but I actually just, I'd, I'd, I'd distorted it in my brain. Mm. I think that I might have decided that it was funny even the two times that it gets mentioned and thought, oh, I'd love to hear more of that. I'd love actually... <laughs> It's like a scene where Billy Zane walks right up to him at one point and just like nose to nose and it's just like, you sir, have a third class seat. And then just lets out a big belch in his face. <laughs> Titanic 2. Just cast all the same people. <laughs> Titanic Endgame. Yeah, Titanic Endgame. Just it's, like... Got like, it's got a really big star-studded cast of people who are all in the Titanic. like, And they're all playing themselves as well. It's like Michael Sarah and... <laughs> Angelina Jolie you know. Billy Zane is there as an older guy and he's still just co- he's the same character but yeah. he's older and it's and like you've just got to accept it dream logic man dream yeah. logic <laughs> and he's like he's walking around laughing at everyone uh, for having like giving people wedgies you've got a third class seat yeah! and you he know, puts the ticket in the bum crack after he's pulled up the wedgie <laughs> here's your third class ticket <laughs> boom yeah. right up the bum you know wow in the bum <laughs> could could this could this film have the same uh, you know you can't take anything for granted sort of theme running through Labyrinth Jack and Lily from Legend Jack and Rose this could be a, a film in line with those those 80s fantasy films because you can't take anything for granted you can't call a ship unsinkable if you think you're infallible, you are tempting fate instead. Another thing I would say is, uh, in life, all you need is a third-class seat and an axe. And your bum cheeks. And your bum cheeks. Acupunctured bum cheeks. Bum cheeks. Madonna style. She doesn't even mind that the guy's looking at her peering through the... She's kind of like, yeah. She's like, yeah? yeah? Can you drive me home? Yeah. I know you're out there watching. Are sequels ever as good as the original? Yeah. Ever. Because I think Art Cinema Fart Cinema Season 2, baby. Better than the Bravo. original. Bravo. Bravo. Well done. Here, do you want to just wank ourselves off for the next five minutes? Okay, that's the end of Season 2. It's over. It's over, baby. We'll see you soon. Get, Actually, ready, for, get ready for some goodies. <laughs> yeah. Get ready for life to continue even when we're not there. But what I was actually <laughs> going to say real quick is we're going to be back with goodies. We're going to be back with Modern Fart. And we're going to be back with... Maybe a couple other little extras, little sprinkles, little of sprinkles of chocolate and pie, whiskey and dry. We'll see you at some point next year for season three, baby. <laughs>